This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can receive your free audio book if you go to Audible.com and sign up as a member. And if you cancel your plan, you get to keep that book forever. That's at Audible.com. Hello and welcome. It's so nice that you could drop by wherever you are in the world. We've got a lot to talk about, but I really, really, really hope right now that you are in your comfy place, wherever that is. Relaxing in a bed, on a bus, on a plane, or on a hammock. Right now, I hope you are relaxing. And if not, just sit back. Because I've got some really good stuff to talk about. Some smooth, smooth information. Before I start, I'd like to give a little brief thanks to... There's a little Reddit group online. uh, For podcasts, slash r, slash podcasts out there and I posted on there that you know I'm doing this it's it's full of people who are building podcasts and it's a kind of a community where you get together and we're honest about you know tips and tricks and things to do and also people come there just to look for podcasts so if you're listening and you're looking for other podcasts then go check it out I put a couple of things out there where I started the podcast and I needed some ideas on how, you know, to expand the subject matter that I do here because I really, really, really want to help people to relax. And they came through with some fantastic ideas. And this episode is actually going to be one of those ideas, which when it was mentioned, you know, when, when an idea comes to it and you just think, oh, that's so obvious. Why did I think of that? Well... This is one of those ideas. Have you ever been to one of those towns? You know, wherever you are. And there's this local character about the town. When I read about local history, I immediately pictured myself sitting in this magnificent little park with strange trees strange trees because a kid growing up in Australia he pretty much had gum trees uh, pine trees there's a few other kind of trees but it's pretty much that but there were some strange trees there because it was one of those botanical garden type of places and I was eating possibly the greatest meat pie on the planet now if you're not familiar with a meat pie It's basically a pie, pastry, etc. With meat inside of it, gravy, onions, stuff like that. And it's something that's very English, but also we've taken that concept in Australia to our own level. Now, there's a 4 and 20 meat pie, which is what you would call your commercial normal meat pie, which is fantastic. However... 
in a town called Beechworth. B-E-E-C-H-W-O-R-T-H. There is a shop called the Beechworth Bakery. And if you don't get there during a time, there's a line because, my God, is it good. It's double story. There's two stories there and they have like live little bands, trumpeters and drum players and stuff like that on weekends. And it pulls quite a crowd. I don't know if you ever, you know, got to the stage of the international tourist level, but oh my God, domestically, you know, local area here, it's one of those little gems that you just get in the car, go for a drive and have a fantastic lunch at the Beechworth Bakery. And so when I started to, you know, the line said, think about local history, and that thought just, boom, came to mind, and I was sitting in the park, and it was a beautiful day, and I think I was about 13, and I had a pie with tomato sauce. And I wanted to just talk about this town called Beechworth. You ever seen the movie or the series Deadwood? If you haven't, watch it. It's fantastic. It's brutal. It's a completely unapologetic view of you know, America as it was going through its quote-unquote Wild West. And I thought, why? Why can't there be a series like that called Beechworth? Because where there was Deadwood in Australia... There was Beechworth. Now, not quite to that extent, because as you know, in Deadwood, it was all about the fact that it was technically lawless. It wasn't part of the United States, and so therefore there was no law. Well, there was no part of Australia that was not considered the you know, part of the British Empire. So technically, yes, there was law. However... I'd love to see it, because it was one at the heart of the gold rush that was inside of Australia. Well, actually, there was two places. There was a place called Ballarat and, and Beechworth itself, and I'm pretty sure there was a bunch of stuff around that, you know, other towns, etc. That's a story for another time. Today, I would like to you know, guide you through the town that is called Beechworth. So sit back, lay back, Relax, and by all means, drift off to sleep if the mood takes you. But today, I'm going to walk you through the town of Beechworth. So, Beechworth. It's a well-preserved historical town located in the northeast of Victoria. It's famous for the major growth during the gold rush days in the mid-1850s. And about 2011 census, Beechworth had a population of about 2,789 people. Beechworth's many historical buildings are well-preserved. And that's true, by the way. They're incredibly well-preserved. You can sort of walk down the town and all of the, uh, you know, the places are still as they were. They made sure they didn't ruin the paint and, you know, and make it sort of really modern. And so that's one of the charms of, of the place itself. 
and the town has reinvented itself and evolved into a popular tourist destination and a growing wine-producing centre. So it started as an Aboriginal settlement, and I'm reading off here. The northeast region was home to a number of Aboriginal clans. Beechworth was occupied by the Minjarabatu people. Apologies if I didn't, you know, pronounce that properly. Records indicate that there are no remaining descendants of the original clan, sadly. The Aborigines of the region led a semi-nomadic existence and followed a seasonal calendar of movement and activity, moving early spring, October, into the river flats and then onto the open plains where the water and flood were abundant. From summer onwards, they shifted back to the river flats to gather with other local tribes along the river near Albury, which is a town along you know, the Murray River, along that way, and to then move into the Alps uh, for the Bogon Moth Feast on the high plains and spending summer in the cooler climates and mountains. In February, March, which is around you know late summer, early autumn, when it was time to return, to the warmer lowlands, the Aborigines would set fire to the areas of the high plains to burn dry grass and ensure regeneration in the following years. Winter was spent in the foothills where the ideal natural shelters amongst the rocky outcrops and good tree cover uh, were their havens. So that's sort of where it began. So I'd, I'd officially like to recognise that the traditional landowners of this area were the... Uh, Minjanabatu people, and I'd like to give respect to to them and their elders and their past past elders uh, of that region. Now, with the white man history, originally used for grazing by the settler David Reed, the area was known as Mayday Hills. Obviously, this is pre-airplane time until 1853, where it was renamed Beechworth. The post office opened on the 1st of May, 1853, as Spring Creek was renamed Beechworth on the 1st of January, 1854. In its golden heyday, from 1852 to 1857, it was a fabulous gold region and the centre of government, but its power, wealth, and influence were short-lived. At the wildest moments of gold discovery, Woods related how an early party of prospectors retrieved a pan of gold weighing 14 pounds, 6.4 kilos. And another lucky party, said Woods, cleared some 50 pounds, 23 kilos of gold a week and so began the rush into the remote region. During the first election campaign in 1855, one candidate, Daniel Cameron, rode a horse shod with solid gold horseshoes. The extravagance of this event is still commemorated at the lo- as the logo of Beechworth is a golden horseshoe. They still have a golden horseshoe festival every year, which is pretty cool as well. At the time, Beechworth was far removed from the centre of the colonial administration in Melbourne. So, okay, backstory. We were a, well, technically we still are a British colony. 
I think we ignore it now. Anyway, we were then big time, Redcoats, you name it. And so the sense basically was, is Sydney, obviously, uh, Melbourne, absolutely. And of course, Tasmania was where all the unsightly people were sent to. I think the whole place was a colony. And Mr. Alcoli was a whole place, was a prison. And so basically it was that. So for Victoria, it was Melbourne. Now, Beechworth is about three and a half hours drive by car north along the uh, the Great Dividing Range, which is a big, long mountain range. If you compare it to places like Switzerland and stuff, I'm pretty sure they'd laugh at the size of our mountains. We're, we're jolly proud. We get snow in winter, if it's really cold enough. Um, they're kind of high, I guess. Pretty, very pretty. Um, but yeah, so, so that's where it was. It was about three hours, I think, by horse. It'd be three days, I guess. So it was, yeah, it was far removed from the centre of the colonial administration in Melbourne in both distance and time taken to travel, which kind of sounds both the same. The local debates around the potential railway into Beechworth encompassed a broad gauge, five foot three inches, um, sixteen hundred millimeters option, or a narrow gauge, two feet, uh, seven sixty-two millimeters system between Wangaratta and Beechworth. And these debates and options appeared in the Ovens and Murray Advisor newspapers. Ironically, in the 1890s, a narrow gauge system did eventually eventuate nearby, running from Wangaratta to Whitfield. Finally, a railway broad gauge arrived at Beechworth in September 1876. But at that stage, the town and its gold production was waning. Unfortunately, the rail line was closed in 1977 and dismantled um, after 101 years of service. And I can actually attest to that because a lot of the railways were either dismantled or changed to the whole concrete thing. You know, there's the sleepers and the wooden sleepers were sold at a high price. And I can actually say that I have a lovely veggie garden slash retainer area, very, very long, held up by some of these old sleepers. They're now, it's kind of hard to buy them now. You sort of buy these new ones that are not you know, that are produced new, but the, the traditional ones that were laying there, was as, they were selling them like crazy for a period of time. And it's kind of hard, so I feel pretty good that I, I knew a guy that knew a guy that, you know, the guy favour, and yeah, I was able to get that. Anyway, back to Beechworth. During its boom times, Beechworth Town boasted a range of industries, including a tannery, jewellers, bootmakers, a brewery, blacksmiths, livestock, sale yards. It's kind of sounding like a typical, you know, movie set, huh? It had schools, a convent, hotels, a prison with imposing stone walls still today, there today, by the way, a hospital, a mental hospital, courthouse, police barracks, stagecoach companies, and a powder magazine. Here's a bit about the State Bank of Victoria. And if you're not, you know, tired yet to fall asleep, this is going to send you off like a tranquilizer. In its golden day, men and women arrived from the United States, United Kingdom and China. At its peak, Beechworth Town had over 3,100 residents, 
Surrounding areas of mining camps sprang up as thousands of miners rushed into the areas such as Spring Creek, Reedy Creek, Silver Creek, the Nine Mile Creek and the Woolshed, increasing the population of the ovens, that's the area surrounding Beechworth, to about 22,000 people. The Chinese were not allowed to live in Beechworth Town and resided in the outskirts. Numerous controls and enforced regulations and licence checks existed against the Chinese miners. I'd like to say that we were, you know, a town of, well, a country of, of tolerant people, but the fact of the matter was, we weren't at the time. And here's one of those classic examples. There's a really cool... A tale, and I'm just going to pause for a second just to give you a bit of a story on this. So, us, us Kneebones, uh, we have a, a pretty cool place that's, um, it's it's actually in this area in Beechworth. It's it's one of the surrounding areas, and uh, we have this place where we all go to when we die. Um, it's called Bowman's Forest, and. It's not like it's every single knee bone, but a lot of us. And if you go there, you'll see a lot of knee bones. And certainly my history and my parents and parents and parents and all that kind of stuff are there. And I will end up there one day. And the whole you know ceremony we, we say is it's called going up the hill. And when someone passes, the word goes around to all the knee bones and saying that we are sending you know, someone up the hill. And we all go there and we do the appropriate, you know, burial thing or it's cremation these days. So, And then afterwards we go to the local pub and we, we drink to the memory. And it's as lovely as you can get from obviously a somber time. In that location, in the cemetery, which is, if you go there, you will see cemetery you know, stones or gravestones which date back to this time. You will see them. They're all there. If you go in and if you walk to the... Now, I'm just thinking at the top of my head. You walk into the gate and you walk to the right. I'm sorry, I don't know if that's west, east or south. But you you walk in and you go right. And you walk to the far right-hand corner. There's a line of trees. There's a line of trees. So clearly you can see where the, where the grave is, the gravestones. They end and there's some trees there. The other side of the trees... There's these small little gravestones, almost cubes, but rectangle, with very faded Chinese inscriptions on them. They weren't allowed to be buried with all the other people there, but they had a spot over there. And yeah, they're there. They're there today. You can actually see them. So I'd like to say that we racially tolerant but we weren't which is just a reminder that today that we need to be and I'm going to stop the sermon there but let's get back to this The Beechworth Cemetery, I <laughs> didn't even know this was coming. Uh, Beechworth Cemetery had a large preserved section for early Chinese miners and pioneers. The presence of Chinese gold miners around Beechworth and throughout Victoria's northern region created social unrest. And these are recorded in O'Brien, Woods and Cronin's works below. 
some notable figures within the town. Like many Australian country towns associated with the early goldfields, Beechworth had its share of colourful characters and villains. Amongst the infamous during the 1870s was a one-time livery stable owner, later the quote-unquote dog officer, at, the, uh, at some other time the pound officer, and another time the shire revenue officer, John Felon. His last name was literally Felon, P-H-E-L-A-N. Felon was a continual litigant correspondent to the newspaper and advertiser. His official and officious escapades were mockingly reported in the local paper. This guy called Robert O'Hara Burke. Robert O'Hara Burke, leader of the ill-fated Burke and Wills expedition, was stationed in Beechworth as a senior inspector of police from 1854 to 1857. Policeman John Sadler, one of the Kelly Gang pursuers, was also stationed in Beechworth. Kelly Gang, whole different story. We idolise a criminal called Ned Kelly. Uh, check it out. Google it. Do it tomorrow. Don't do it right now. It's fine. You're relaxing. Just tomorrow. If you want, use Alexa or you know, Siri to say, remind me of Ned Kelly tomorrow. But yeah, just, just relax now. Oh, he's mentioned down below, but I'll get there. Um, the Burke Museum is located in Lock Street and holds a rich source of primary materials on Beechworth and the surrounding district golden pasts. Source materials include newspapers, photos, artefacts, clothing, paintings, exhibitions, published local histories and unpublished theses on the district and displays dating back to the gold discoveries, early Chinese miners and workings from the 1850s. For family and academic research, this museum is a gold mine. I didn't write the pun, I'm just reading the pun. This Sir Isaac Isaacs. Isaac Isaacs was an Australian first native-born governor general, appointed in 1931. Of course, I knew that. Everyone knows that. Um, the Isaac... I didn't know that. Uh, the Isaac family moved to Beechworth to help Isaac gain a better quality education in 1867, first enrolling him in the common school. Then in the Beechworth Grammar School, he became ducks in his first year. That's like the best in class, I guess. The MVP. In his second year, he was employed part-time as an assistant teacher at the school and then took up after school tutoring of fellow students. In September 1870, when Isaac was just 15 years old, he passed his examination as a pupil teacher and taught at the local school from then until 1873. Isaac was uh, next employed as an assistant teacher at Beechworth State School, the successor to the common school. From 1875, Isaacs moved to Melbourne for work and to undertake law studies. His connection to Beechworth was re-established when he was elected as a member of Burgong in the Victorian Legislative Assembly from May 1872 until May 1893. 
and between June 1893 and May 1901. Isaacs further represented Beechworth and surrounding areas when he was elected into the first federal parliament in 1901 as a seat as an independent. He served until 1906 when he was appointed to the High Court. So, you know, well done. Nice career. Now we have Ned Kelly. Now, I'm going to do a whole piece on Ned Kelly because, oh boy, do we love Ned Kelly. He is our Jesse Jackson. He is our, sorry, Jesse James. He is our Bonnie and Clyde. He is, just you name the famous criminal that we idolize. He's it for us. Absolutely and utterly. So, and all, all the towns along this way, because of tourism and stuff like that, they like to have the claims that Ned Kelly had links to this town. Ned Kelly drove through. Ned Kelly stayed here for a night. Ned Kelly's horse was tied up here. You know, things like that. So, here's what they've got to say about Ned Kelly's links to Beechworth. The outlaw Ned Kelly had many links to Beechworth. He spent time in the HM prison Beechworth. Well, that's legitimate, I guess. And fought a famous boxing bout with Isaiah, quote, Wild, quote, right in the back of the local hotel. Aaron Sherritt and John Byrne of the Kelly Gang came from the Woolshed gold mining camp outside of the Beechworth town. It was in Beechworth Jail that 21 men suspected Kelly Gang supporters and relatives and other sympathisers, I'll get there, sympathisers, were held without trial or evidence for over three months by the Chief Commissioner of Police, Captain Standish, under the Outlaw Relief Act. So again, I'm going to do a whole piece on on Ned Kelly, because he is a quintessential person of this Australiana and the history that we have. But let's move on. George P. Kerford. George P. Kerford, 1836 to 1889, a long-time resident of Beechworth, became a Premier of Victoria and was a major participant in ensuring Beechworth had a railway connection to Melbourne, so well done, George. John Buckley Costello. Costello, 1839-1885, was a prison governor at Beechworth from 1856 to 1869. The prison, famous for its huge granite walls, was known as Costello's Castle. As the governor of Melbourne jail in 1880, he, went, he was an official witness to the hanging of Ned Kelly. Sorry, spoiler. His diaries were later published 2004 as Difficulties of My Position. In this book, from the drawing from the Australian Sketcher, 14th of August 1880 shows Custo sitting with Ned Kelly during his remand, and also a photo of his signature and one of the witness to the Kelly hanging. Again, apologies. Spoiler. 
So Albert Edward Burt Chadwick was born in 1897 and died in 1983. Sportsman, businessman and sports administrator. There was Alfred William Foster, born 1886. He died in 1962 and he was a judge. So notable newspapers. In its golden heyday, Beechworth boasted two influential newspapers, the Ovens and Murray Advertiser and the Constitution and Mining Intelligencer. Really? That was a newspaper name? The Intelligencer? The, I'm going to try that again. Get ready. The Constitution and Mining Intelligencer. That just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? These papers engaged in fierce competition and for a a while were daily issues. The papers circulated far and wide throughout the district and the colony of Victoria. Both papers represented views and their respective readership, sometimes to the exclusion of all others. Even today, these old newspapers are an important historical research tool, and most editions from the 1850s survive as microfilmed and are available in the Burke Museum. And most state and national libraries throughout Australia. These two local papers provide rich primary sources for many historians of Beechworth and its surrounding, plus the Kelly Gang historians. Hmm. The Owens and Murray Advertiser still survives as a local newspaper. Tourism. Beechworth is a popular tourist destination. Absolutely. Attractions include the Ned Kelly theme display at the old courthouse. Oh, and apparently they, every year, I've got to go check this out, every year they'll do a reenactment. Oh, here we are. Um, and the old courthouse and Ned Kelly weekend, which is Australia's most signif- uh, significant recreation of the Kelly legend. And it commemorates the anniversary of the Outlaws Committal hearing held in the historical Beechworth Courthouse from the 6th to the 11th of August. Okay, so I was speaking to someone when I was there, and they literally said that if you want, you can participate in this, you know, this court proceeding. So everyone comes in and the official uh, outfits and all that kind of stuff. I guess it's like the Civil War reenactment, except not the excitement of a battlefield, but the excitement of an initial court proceeding. I wonder if it's one of those things where you find yourself, you know, like, yeah, I'd love to do that. It's fantastic. Get to wear the wig. Maybe I can put on a fake beard or someone who actually has a beard can go, I can bring my beard. And then you sit in the court proceedings and, of course, you then find out, like these people that tend to do these reenactments, they don't muck around. They don't do it half-assed. I doubt even if they have an iPhone during it, they probably wouldn't even accept a telegraph. And then you sit there in in the room and you find yourself going, okay, this is not fun anymore. I thought it was a a bit of a lark. Ha, 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 ha. And you're kind of stuck there. Still, sounds like fun. I'd like to, to check it out. Sounds pretty cool. Other popular draws to the area and the many annual festivals, including the famous Golden Horseshoe Festival, which I mentioned earlier, uh, Easter Parade through the centre of town, the Burke Museum Waterfalls, Gunpowder Magazines, the Newton Bridge, brackets, Stone Bridge, uh, 
Tail Race, Mining Race, Spring Creek Waterfall, Spring Creek Gorge Beechworth, Lunatic Asylum Ghost Tour. If you like that kind of thing. Lakes, Historic Buildings, Goldfields, Walks, The Beechworth Bakery, Brewery, The Lolly Shop, and Night Tours. The restaurants and wineries. Yeah, the food's fantastic there. The town is one end point of the Murray to the Mountain Trail. What they don't mention is the town has been preserved so well that you duck down a little alleyway and if there's no one there, then what you're really looking at is exactly like it was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I don't know about you, but I kind of find that pretty cool. The music video for the famous singer-actor Jason Donovan in the hit 1989 hit Too Many Broken Hearts was filmed in Beechworth. Well, there you go. For all you Jason Donovan fans out there, then one of his video clips was filmed in Beechworth. Uh, and the title again was Too Many Broken Hearts. So check that out on YouTube. Now, down to sport. The town has an Australian rules football team competing in the Talangata and District Football League. Golfers play at the Beechworth Golf Club on Balaclava Road, a dedicated cross-country and downhill mountain biking track. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. The Beechworth Mountain Bike Park is maintained by the Beechworth Chain Gang Mountain Bike Club. Okay, books on Beechworth. Considering the present nature of the town, the surprising range of variety of books exist on the Beechworth town. It's adjoining goldfield camps, it's surrounding and it's heady goldfield days. These include numerous histories, a treasure of the local histories, theses, materials on bush rangers, police, Chinese, the riots, the coming and going of the railway and the novel set in the district. So that's, that, that's the summary of, of, of Beechworth. So I've got some actual local news of the town of Beechworth. It's, it's just to let you know, you know, what's going on at a local level of a town that's got, you know, a population of about, you know, 2,000 odd people. This was uh, printed on the 17th of May, 2019. Still life, discovering the solace in the beauty of every day. This year's uh, Kerford orientation will be delivered by the writer, director and performer and dedicated walker, Elsa Piper. Elsa has navigated solitary trails in Australia, Spain and France, sometimes walking alone for weeks at a time. When she is not on the roads, Elsa is writing, plays books, newspaper articles, poetry and letters. Lots of letters. Elsa uses every medium she can to celebrate creativity, walking, landscapes, connection and friendships. We have the capability as you know, communities and individuals to create sanctuaries where beauty can light the darkness of our despair, says Elsa. Actually, that's a pretty good quote. We have the capability as communities and as individuals to create sanctuaries where beauty and light... Sorry, where beauty can light the darkness of our despair. That sounds pretty cool. I'd like to explore some of these possibilities in Beechworth. I'm naturally a sunny person, 
but I've also experienced loss quite frequently through my life. I thought I was experienced at it, at it, a veteran, if you will. But in the aftermath of a sudden death of my husband, it was like a pumice stone. Nothing could permeate me. I became dry and tough. But my hard edges felt like the only protection I had. Eventually, though, I had to allow beauty to enter my veins again and to let life in. Elsa Piper was a co-writer of the Patrick White Playwrights Award for her script uh, Small Mercies in 2001 and co-adapted the Belle Shakespeare's acclaimed version of The Duchess of Malfini in 2012. She published her first book, Sitting Across Spain, 2012. Her most recent book, co-authored by Tony Doherty, um, is The Attachment, Letters from a Most Unlikely Friendship. Elsa has judged the New South Wales and Victoria uh, Premier's literary, literary, <laughs> literary Award. I know, at the ironically, I can't even read that properly. Literary Awards seven times. She is an accomplished moderator of uh, conversations and panels and writes journalism and opinion pieces for the newspapers and magazines. She also writes and performs word walks, monologues, celebrating poetry, walking and landscape. The next piece is called Curford Oration. The George Briscoe Curford Oration was first held in 2003 to commemorate the 150th anniversary of the naming of Beechworth. The annual oration is a free community event sponsored by the Indigo Shire Council, La Trobe University, WAW Credit Union and the Quericus Beechworth. The 2019 Curved Orientation will be held on Sunday 28th of July at 11am at the Curved Curved Hotel, sorry, the George Curved Hotel, Mayday Hills, Beechworth. A free community lunch will be followed by a facilitated discussion for those who wish to continue the conversation. Okay, so if you've got nothing to do you know, around Beechworth or if this was the last thing that you wanted to think about where you're like, you know what? This Beechworth is sounding really good. That meat pie is sounding fantastic. I know nothing about a guy called Ned Kelly, but do I want to sit inside of a court proceeding? Oh, yeah, I do. And you're just like the last piece going, give me one more reason why I needed to book a multi-thousand dollar plane trip and then a car trip and a hotel expense, etc. to get to Beechworth. Then you can go to the Kerford Oration. Assuming you get here on the 28th of July, it'll be at 11am and yeah, it'll cost a bit to fly to Australia and of course all the other expenses associated with that, although the way our dollar's going, it'll be practically a steal, but you get a free lunch. So, you know, and if you want to continue the conversation about the naming of a town, then you can. So that's something to think about. Huh. Okay, the next piece. Ned Kelly Artifacts Reunited. This was on the 9th of May. They haven't sat side by side for nearly 140 years, but two important Ned Kelly artifacts have been reunited in, the, in Beechworth this week. Burke Museum staff travelled to Victoria Police Museum in Melbourne to pick up the original cash box from the Glen Rowan Inn which was the site of the Kelly Gang dramatic last, Stand 1880. The cash box 
will now uh, be on long-term loan to the Ned Kelly Vault, where it will go on display alongside an original bullet-ridden dining room table from the Glen Rowan Inn. The cash box table are the last two significant objects remaining from the inn site of the infamous siege and the site of the deaths of the three Kelly gang members, Joe Byrne, Dan Kelly and Steve Hart, as well as the civilian Martin Cherry. Burke Museum manager Cameron Auntie said, in a major win for the Ned Kelly vault, this is the first time these two important Kelly artefacts will be together since the siege. The Kelly gang bailed up 62 locals in an inn and they waited for the Beechworth-bound um, police train to crash um, just past the Glen Rowan station. The train was delayed for hours, so the table um, was dragged out onto the veranda to make room for the Kelly gang prisoners to dance. Several photos survived showing the table during after the siege. Hang on a second. The train was delayed for hours, so the table was dragged out onto the veranda to make room for the Kelly, Kelly gang's prisoner, the gang's prisoners to dance. They wanted to dance while they're waiting for a train for police. It's pretty badass. At the end of the siege, the Glen Rowan Inn was burnt down, and any item such uh, survived both the gunfight and the fire ended up in different collections across the country. The Ned Kelly story is such a big part of the Indigo Shire's history and it attracts many visitors to the region every year, so we are thrilled to have the, the table and the cash box on display together. Our thanks to the Victorian Police Museum for working with us to organise this loan, which is coming to us from a private donor. This important item from the siege of Glen Rowan will now sit alongside the other important Kelly artefacts, including Ned Kelly's death mask and his rifle, said Mr. Auntie, founder of the Ned Kelly vault, Matt Shaw, and the small brass cash box was owned by Ann Jones, proprietor of the Glen Rowan Inn. In a tragic twist, Mrs. Jones lost her only son, 13-year-old John, during the siege, when he was shot in the hip by police bullet. Her inn was burnt to the ground by the police in the effort to flush out the Dan Kelly and Steve Hart after Ned was shot down and captured. Poor Mrs Jones lost her boy, her home and her business. If any artefact symbolises the tragic events which engulfed so many people in and around the Kelly story, this is it, said Mr Shaw. The cash box will be on display for two months at the Beechworth's Burke Museum from the 20th of May 2019 and then will move to the Ned Kelly vault to be displayed alongside the rest of the collection. Just saying. You've got a court appearance, you've got a meat pie, and now you've got a cash box to see. Although the more I read about this, which I know I'm starting like, ooh, it's a cash box and a table, but it's actually pretty interesting. Next piece of news. The push to put Beechworth's historic precinct on the National Heritage List. Beechworth's historic precinct could soon join our historical sites like Mawson's Hut and Bonegilla Migrant Camp and the National Heritage on the National Heritage List, 
with Indigo Shire Council voting last night to submit the nomination for the National Heritage Listing. Indigo Shire Mayor Bernard Gaffney said the National Heritage Listing would further cement the important place the Beechworth Historic uh, Precinct holds in the Indigo Shire's history. Our historic precinct is one of the best preserved examples of a frontier government district in Australia. It is of significant historic, social and economic importance to the Indigo Shire, he said. A national heritage listing would mean increased recognition of Beechworth's historic, historic precinct, which we hope will result in significant benefits in terms of funding and support to preserve and maintain it. The historic precinct includes the old Beechworth Courthouse, Burke Museum, Telegraph Station. Apparently the Telegraph Station, you can go there and they'll actually send a telegraph. Now, they can't use a computer to send it, but, you know, you can actually get like a telegraph of what your little thing that you wanted to send and stuff. It's, 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 it's pretty cool. And Treasury Building. Visitors to the precinct can stand in the dock where Ned Kelly stood visit the famous Ned Kelly Vault Museum or send a telegram to anyone... Oh, here we go. Send a telegram to anyone in the world from the telegraph station. Okay, okay. All right, so what do we got? We've got amazing meat pies. They've got other pastries and stuff as well, possibly donuts. You've got, you know, a wonderful location that looks exactly like it did, you know, 200 years ago, except, of course... You know, there's, there's modern-day cars and stuff lining the streets, but you just got to use your imagination. Just imagine that a lot of people have come from the future and they're there now with you. So, yeah, try and go to a spot where there's no one else and you can just imagine. So you've got that. You've got the museum. And at, to quote this, to get this right, You can stand where Ned Kelly stood in the jailhouse. Oh, yes. And now you've got the ability to send a telegram to anyone in the world. Anyone. You know, I just, I picture, and it would be nice if you sent it to someone and they're at a restaurant or the work or something and you've got that man with a cool cap, you know, the cap that only works when you're like a, you know, someone delivering a telegram, for instance. And the person turns up and is like, telegram, sir. Ma'am. And it pulls it out and it says, I'm sending you a telegram. Stop. Of course, they had no punctuation in those days, so they used the word stop. I think you probably know that. I think that's common knowledge. Yeah, anyway, so I'm using a telegram. Stop. I am in the telegraph station. Stop. I've eaten a meat pie. Stop. Lots of love, Gerald. Stop. Or if you want to be controversial, just... Dear Bernard, stop. I'm writing to inform you, however, stop, that the child is yours. Stop. Please send all available money. Stop. Otherwise, I will go to the press. Stop. Regards, M. Just, you know, just send it out there. It's pretty cool. Let's see what else. The manager, 
Burke Museum Cultural Heritage Cameron Auntie said Beechworth's historic precinct and the old Beechworth Jail together form a unique part of Australia history. And that's true. The old Beechworth Jail is an important element of the fabric of the precinct and our nomination will be strengthened by its inclusion. We look forward to working with the old Beechworth Jail to ensure these important historic sites are recognised at a national level, said Mr. Auntie. Oh, sorry. Mr. Auty, A-U-T-Y, not Auntie. Okay, Auty. I, I, official retraction. Not enough for me to go back on the recording thing, so I'll just, you know, Mr. Auty. The National Heritage List is Australia's list of natural, historic and indigenous places of outstanding significance to the nation. The precinct buildings have already been registered by the Heritage Victoria and National Estate, the National Trust and the Indigo Shire Council Planning Scheme. Following Council's decision, a nomination will be prepared and submitted in early 2019 and rest assured I will follow this story to see whether Beechworth, the town has been listed It's I think it's, it's highly important and whether you've listened to this version of the podcast and it might happen later on it's highly important that you find out about whether this is included more news Beechworth wins Victorian Tiny Towns Ward again so in Victoria, you have a Tiny Towns Award, which you get an award for being, funnily enough, tidy. And according to this, Beechworth wins the Victorian Tiny Towns Award again. Award again. Yeah, that's a bit cheeky. I found this on the website for, you know, for Beechworth and stuff, and they've listed these as like the current news. This was done in 27th November 2017. So that tells me they did not win it for 2018. I wonder who did. I wonder. But I read on. Beechworth has won again won the Victorian Overall Tiny Towns Award for 2017, which was announced at the awards event in Horsham on Saturday night, Indigo Shire. Mayor uh, Councillor Jenny O'Connor was full of praise for Beechworth and the manner in which it was showcased for the award. Beechworth has much to be proud of and it has to be recognised again with this award. Beechworth won this award in 2014, then twice in a row in 2009 and 2010, before going on to win the National Award in Canberra on 2010. Beechworth's involvement and the recognition of our town has received over many years its testament to our wonderful, proactive and proud community members who both participate in the awards and organise our entries. Councillor O'Connor acknowledged the hard work of the community group that compiled the town's application. This group of people has an abundance of enthusiasm for the Tiny Towns Sustainable Community Awards, and every year they pull together our application, Councillor O'Connor said. Iris Manick in particular deserves high praise. She has been a driving force in collating our entry for 24 years, ably helping with Anne Wilson for the past 14 years, and also Jill Jarvis Willis in recent years. 
They never tire, and their commitment to celebrating our town and community is to be applauded. Councillor O'Connor said that since their inception in 1968, the award had grown from being a simple anti-litter campaign to a nationally recognised program encouraging projects as varied as preserving heritage, saving water and energy, community action and leadership. Long-term behaviours... Uh, change across communities brought about by these awards allow us to build a better community year by year and encourage us to tread lightly on our landscape. Beechworth will now go forward to the National Award early next year. Well, good luck, Beechworth. It is actually an exceptionally tidy town as well. Considering the amount of tourists, that's, that's pretty good. But here is news. I've saved the best for last. Get ready for this. The rail trail bridge replacement. Indigo Shire Council will replace the pedestrian bridge on the Murray to the Mountains Rail Trail near Albert Road in Beechworth. The existing structure which overlooks the Chinese gardens, was completed in January 2001 and modelled on the original railway timber trestle style, structured with uh, which was dismantled in 1950 and the 1960s. The replacement bridge has been designed to sympathetically replicate the general character and appearance of the original bridge, enhance its safety and have a much longer life. The new design will use the existing timber supporting posts, add new steel substructures and handrails along with a dark-coloured reinforced concrete deck. The white handrails assemble, assembled in black steel fastened echo the character of the original railway structure. Steel wires will infill the op- open area in the handrails to provide appropriate fall protection without detracting from the overall design. Heritage advice sought early in the projects reinforced the fact that a fully accurate uh, reconstruction of the original bridge would not satisfy the safety of all users in, uh, with its low handrails and large gaps. The proposed design draws upon the character of the original bridge while using contemporary long steel and reinforced concrete. Photographs of the original bridges have been the key reference point for development of the new design. Detailed designs will be finalised this month, and it is anticipated that contracts will be awarded September ready for construction in spring. It is estimated that the bridge will be closed up for eight weeks during the construction, with a short detour in place during this time. Uh, that was in August 1st, 2017. So it's probably safe to say that, in fact, it's been built by now. So you don't need to worry about the eight-week... Um, uh, when it's closed for eight weeks in early September and having to deal with the, you know, the, the, the ulterior route. I think you're safe there. I think you're safe. So that's the town of Beechworth, located in the north of Victoria. It's uh, nestled in the, in the high country, 
And it was a place where I sat as a child in the park and I tasted possibly the greatest meat pie, which is in itself one of the greatest tastes known to man. I have visited this place, I think, eight or nine times. Each time the charm of the place just totally gets me. It really does. They've got like an old ice creamery on the corner. Yeah, the old school ice creamery. The guy does the whole, you know, the whole performance and everything as well. He's all there with the cap on and stuff like that. And you can walk in just like it's it's times of old. So, yeah, it's lovely to, you know, behold. And it's wonderful that a town like this exists and it's all looked after. And as the years roll on and on and as change comes with modern architecture, this place is going to stay the same, which is just cool. I love it. And now I know you can go, you know, stand in the spot where Ned Kelly stood. And at the same time, you can send a telegram to someone and just because well I'm a nerd if I was going to do that I'd take a photo using the app telegram to say that I'm about to send them a telegram and the tele- telegram's going to arrive that's telegram inception so this has been fun this has been a lot of fun a big thank you to the group at reddit for suggesting a whole bunch of stuff and I'm going to continue to just thank them as I go along because there's actually a whole bunch of little things that I'm going to do that will continue you know, and bring the uh, the different performances and the different uh, you know subject matter out. But I'm also well aware this is usually the time of the podcast where you're possibly you're not even awake, which is great. You've drifted off to sleep. You've got that special place where you are just comfortable and you're just relaxing. And it's truly a wonderful thing. You take something, take time tomorrow just for a small delight for yourself. At the end of the day, this is what life's all about, right? Just small, small moments stitched together to call a life. Okay, well, if you're already asleep, or if you're not, then tune in to another episode. But if you're already asleep, then so long, farewell, take care, and good night.